So this this is the bit where you explain to a patient that they're rubbish at brushing their teeth, but you do it in a way that you don't offend them. Because that's that mm-hmm. was the thing I always just found most difficult. Mrs. Jones, bacteria builds up on teeth, it reaches your trigger point, your body triggers inflammation, that inflammation damages the bone. Welcome to the Protrusive Dental Podcast, the forward-thinking podcast for dental professionals. Join us as we discuss hot topics in dentistry, clinical tips, continuing education, and adding value to your life and career with your host, Jazz Gulati. Hello, Petrusrati. I'm Jans Galati, and welcome to another episode in the Back to Basics series of the Petrusive Dental Podcast. You are going to be blown away by today's episode. It's with Dr. Ian Dunn, a periodontist on communicating. Communication in perio specifically, for example, like how do you, how do you, how do you explain to a patient that they have periodontal disease? Like six significant things, a chronic condition they have to potentially live with for the rest of their life. Such an important thing for them to grasp so that they can get better out comes and you can get better success as a clinician like what's your spiel what's your way of communicating that i think lots of dentists have different ways of doing it now you will probably ditch your way whichever way you're doing at the moment and ian will show you the way to do it i mean his way of explaining to patients how periodontitis works uh, and to get them on on board is just the best i've ever heard so i'm so excited to share these gems with you we also talk about communicating risk of treatment with patients uh, and he does that in such a great way as well. And the relevant protrusive dental pearl I have for you today is to have something one aid, whether it's digital or whiteboard or paper-based, an opportunity for you to be able to draw certain things. Because certainly one of the tools that Ian Dunn uses is to draw certain things, draw teeth, draw bone, draw periodontium. Uh, so therefore, I think it's a really useful thing sometimes to be able to draw something. Yes, we have our intro cameras, our DSLRs, but sometimes there's a, a beauty and magic of being able to draw something while your patient's watching and you know annotating it as you're talking to them. So that's the main protrusive dental pearl. I hope you enjoy this episode uh, stick around for the outro and if you're watching on youtube and if you haven't already i'd really appreciate if you hit that subscribe button i know loads of you've been enjoying uh, the back to basic series and i'm so grateful to for you to join me again in this episode and now i'm gonna hit the main episode with dr ian dunn all about communication when it comes to periodontal disease ian dunn welcome to the protrusive dental podcast how are you my friend yeah, I'm very good, Jazz. It's really good to be here. It's nice to uh, be on this and not be listening to it all the time on my uh, commute to work. I've, I've said it before, and I'll say it again. I am just amazed when, when clinicians of your caliber, you know, I mean, I mean seriously, listen, honestly, it's, a, it's the highest praise for me. Uh, you are someone who I, I've seen as a as a brilliant educator because, you know, not only just the crown lengthening sort of workshop I did a few years ago, you've been on my radar. You taught my wife, uh, Perio, at, at dental school in Liverpool. And as a tutor, you are, you know, you're a big favorite. I think I remember going to something very unique about Liverpool undergrad scene was this uh, we, 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 we will shall not reveal details as per the contract <laughs> but uh, but it, what's that evening that you had that you had lots of funny skits and whatnot oh yeah the smoker yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the smoker that was just a brilliant experience like in so in, in Leeds and in Sheffield and various dental we have the dental <clears> review <throat> and you know there's like pre-recorded uh, videos and stuff but what you got, what you guys put on in Liverpool <laughs> yeah, the smoker, quite... as like, live performances um, and comedy skits was 
a level of wit I've never seen in dentistry before. So that was just uh, amazing. So you came on my radar then. People just speak very highly <laughs> very of you. Uh, and then on the on the workshop, it was really nice. <clears throat> to see, I logged into the Dental and Tubules Congress recently, and you were one of the first workshops to to sell out. So it just speaks volumes about you as an educator. But for those people who might not know you, probably you know it's, it's, it, outside the UK, if someone hasn't heard of you, for example, just give us an idea of the the kind your your little background and and what what drives you. Okay. Wow. Well, I mean, thank you for that very, very generous introduction. Um, my my background, believe it or not, is, is a general practitioner. I I never set out to do specialist training. I feel a bit like I listened to Amit's podcast recently, and uh, he sort of wandered into perio by accident, and I feel a little bit the same. Uh, but I, when I qualified in 98, the specialist lists were just being established. So none of us knew whether they were going to be any good or not, or whether they were going to last for a long time. So I was a general practitioner for many, many years, but I also had this small role in the hospital that, that was basically just working in the A&E department. And it morphed into a, a small perio teaching job. And and from there, I just I was bitten by the, the perio bug, so to speak. And I just found that I really enjoyed it. I found that I think undergraduate perio has a lot to answer for in the UK. I don't think it's particularly dynamic. Um, I don't think we get access to the better patients. So I don't know that undergraduates see what real perio is about. Um, and I also think that people don't understand that periodontists don't just spend all day scraping rubbish off people's teeth. You know, we, Amit was talking about recession management. We also do implants, implant management. Uh, we do the, the, the sort of regenerative periosurgical stuff. It's a very surgical discipline. Um, and so, yeah, I, I eventually got onto the specialist list about 10 years ago after a 10 to 12 year career as a GDP. And I sort of hope that I've never lost that general practice background. I hope that's one of the things that keeps me relatively real. Um, and I think the thing that drives me is that I, I just I genuinely love passing on knowledge and trying to demystify perio. That is so evident uh, in, in your teaching, honestly, I have to say, that is really evident, the way you explain things. Uh, and then the passion behind it is, is oozing out of you when, you when you're teaching. So please keep it up because, people, you know, we need this in, in every discipline, discipline, but especially in, in Perio to inspire the, the, the new generation of dentists. Because as you said, it's a great point you made about the type of patients. I mean, literally, it gave me flashbacks to the kind of Perio patients I had as an undergrad. And, you know, you don't see that success when they come back. Uh, and then you wonder why. And then you sort of lose hope in Perio. And then let's not even get into the system of, of of the UK and how we practice and how that might be not, not be conducive to getting the best results. But uh, you, you raise a really good point there. But we need um, clinicians like you to, to inspire the next generation. Yeah, well, I think you're right. I mean, I know at, at Liverpool, one of the problems I used to see, and I, I was the perio lead at Liverpool for, for many years, was, was the type of patient we would have would be the professional patient, you know, the patient who's been in the system for 20 years. I mean, those patients were effectively maintenance cases not not true disease management cases and so undergraduate perio was mainly I mean plaque and bleeding scores and six point pocket charts and a little bit of debridement but it, they never actually saw the juicy you know eight nine millimeter bleeding pockets and and so people just get a real misunderstanding of what perio is and what it's about uh not to mention the fact that some of the academics make it very very complicated you know you, you'll have sat in lectures on i don't know hyperactive macrophages and you know uh, all, all, all these amazing host response lectures from wonderful scientists but not necessarily real world perio on how you treat perio in practice and that's one of the things that when i when i got involved with perio courses and phil hour uh, 12, 13 years ago, 
I'd already been on Phil's courses as a delegate, and I just remember thinking, "Oh my God, that's it! That 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 penny drop moment of that's all that Perio is. It's some very simple concepts delivered very very well, and for 70, 80, 90 percent of the population, that'll do most of the time. And that's that passion to pass that simplicity on is is that one of the things that drives me. People overcomplicate stuff, as you well know. I mean, occlusion's a classic, isn't it? Occlusion is one of those massively overcomplicated subjects when actually there's some very fundamental principles that if you do that right most of the time, most things work. And it's the it's the rare cases where you need the minutiae. It's is my experience. That is uh, the way you said that is I, I'm completely you now for those who are listening, I'm nodding all the way through. You're so right. Uh, and, and I think I think the real world, like you said, is exactly what this episode is going to be about. It's about the whole communication side, because like with every discipline dentistry, uh, especially in my restorative background, it's not so much about how good you are with your hand skills. It's not about uh, how good you are delivering any piece of dentistry. It's about how your patient perceives it and how the patient feels when they're communicating uh, with you. Like I'll give you an example. I'll give those listening an example. Um, I used to do uh, this um Gosh, I'm trying to think of the name of it. Uh, Riverside Communicators. It was Toastmasters. Are you familiar with Toastmasters Communication? Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So I used to do Toastmasters. That's almost like training for podcasting, you know? Yeah. So I, was, I need to put myself in uh, unfamiliar, uh, awkward scenarios so I can develop as a communicator. So we used to do these um, uh, talks in, in Richmond by the Riverside Communicators. And it really, you know, I remember the first time my heart was pounding. And as the weeks came by, I was getting more and more confident. It was, it was a great experience. I highly encourage anyone to, to do that, to put yourself, you know, out of your comfort zone to to try and become a better speaker a better communicator I remember doing a one telling one story or one communication pearl about I, don't know, I was talking about my son or something and I, and I won this little prize that evening uh, and I put it on YouTube and everything but later on uh, and he just knew I was a dentist but I didn't really talk about dentistry that much at all in, in presenting but he came to me later this guy in the audience he said wow you are amazing I want you to be my dentist. <laughs> and it, 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 driving home that day, and I was like, wait a minute, I, I don't understand this. He, has, he knows nothing about me as a dentist. He just saw me deliver a speech very well because you know, I polished it and I practiced it. And he, he saw me as a good communicator. And that's, what he, that's why he wanted me to be his dentist. And that's when I really realized, actually, it is all about the communication, which is what we're going to make this um, episode about. But I, I suppose that's been your experience as well, Ian. Without doubt. I mean, uh, Perio is, I don't know, probably 80% psychology and 20% dentistry. You know, we, the, the largest change that takes place in my surgery is behavior change. You know, we, we, we are manipulating patients. That's not the right word, manipulating. But we are we're manipulating patients to do the things they need to do that's right for them. And we're doing it in a way that they think it's their idea. We, you know, we want lasting behavior change. We don't want that sort of join the gym in January, not having been in February type approach. We want a lasting change. So the patient really needs to understand and buy into it. And once we get that behavior change in our specialty and in, and in general practice, everything else clicks, everything else works. The simple stuff works, the complicated stuff works, but the behavior change takes place first. And that's, that's one of the things I really like. I like those I like those, even those difficult patients, the, the prickly patients who think they know it all and they, they just want me to roll my sleeves up and get stuck in. I love the challenge of, of the communication, of making them understand. I really enjoy it. Really enjoy it. Are you enjoying the Protrusive Dental Podcast? Well, allow me to deliver you 
even more value. You can now download the iOS or Play Store app for free. Just search Protrusive on your app platform. Now, if you're a true Protrusive and you want to support the podcast, you want to claim CPD for all the listening and watching that you do, you want to get access to exclusive clinical walkthrough videos to make dentistry tangible, as well as a premium newsletter, access to the Protrusive Vault, and the ability to download all the clinical videos and podcast videos so you can view them offline later, you can get all of that for less than 15 tax-deductible dollars per month. So what are you waiting for? Download the Protrusive app now on iOS or Android for absolutely nothing. We worked so hard on this protrusive team and I know you're just going to love it. Now back to the main episode. Drew says, Drew Shah says that his, his, his role, he's seeing more and more as a Mr. Motivator type of role, uh, more than anything, more than anything behind what you got taught at Perio. It's a Mr. Motivator role. So you're, you're totally right about the communication. And that's why communication is such a big topic. And I'm so excited to delve deeper uh, into this topic. So let, let's go for it. Um, yeah, people it. need to hear, dentists need to hear the following, right? I saw, must have been about a couple of years ago now, my first experience of it. And I know people have talked about it before, but you, the way you explain Perio to patients, Ian, is something that every single dentist in the world right now, every single dentist student, every single hygienist, every single therapist, everyone needs to hear this explanation. And eventually, all our patients need to hear this because I've tried it various ways. When you covered this as well, you, you explain perio in various different ways. I just thought your way of doing it, um, something that you've inherited or something that you've modified over time was just brilliant. Would you mind sharing that way? I think you, you're familiar with what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, yeah, it's it's a fairly big part of my day, and it's fairly repetitive. Um, Your nurses must roll their eyes every time. Uh, you know, I, I feel sorry for the poor girl. She's she's just sits behind me, rolling her eyes. It's uh, she could deliver this spe- this speech herself all the time. So the let's fir- go, please. I really want to. I want to hear this. Okay, well, the first bit's a bit of a chat, and then there's a picture that I draw, and I'm, I'm going to try and draw that picture on the screen. And uh, I, I remember watching your Canine Rises bit. I'm watching your drawings. I'm hoping my drawings are a bit better than yours, Jazz. No, no disrespect. <laughs> I think they will be. It's not very difficult. <laughs> um, so we we tend to we we sit the patient back, we do their examination, we sit them back up, and with, and we start the conversation along the lines of. Mrs. Jones, I've just looked in your mouth and I can see that you have some gum disease. Do you know anything about gum disease? And we always ask the question because we want to engage. We want the patient. The communication has to be a two-way street. It shouldn't be a monologue. It should be a discussion. Um, The beauty of asking that question is also that you get to understand their misconceptions, any anything they don't get or they've or they've got wrong, or you know the classic. Well, I lost the tooth for every baby I had, or you know <laughs> just just the, the classic old wives' tale. So, Mrs. Jones, I've looked in your mouth and I can see you've got some gum disease. Do you know anything about gum disease? Once they've had their chance to speak, I say, oh, that's not quite right, Mrs. Jones. Gum disease is a disease of inflammation. Your body produces inflammation, and that inflammation damages the bone that holds your teeth in place. Uh, do you know anyone with arthritis, Mrs. Jones? And often they'll know somebody who's got arthritis. I said, well, well, that patient, they have inflammation that damages the joints and the bones in their, in their joints. You have a similar disease where your body produces inflammation. That inflammation damages your bone. Mrs. Jones, the one thing we know about gum disease is that's a bit different to, to arthritis is why gum disease starts. Mrs. Jones, gum disease is triggered by bacteria. Bacteria builds up on teeth. It triggers inflammation, and that inflammation damages your bone. So this, this is the bit where you explain to a patient that they're rubbish at brushing their teeth, but you do it in a way that you don't offend them because that mm-hmm. was the thing I always just found most difficult. Mrs. Jones, 
Bacteria builds up on teeth. It reaches your trigger point. Your body triggers inflammation. That inflammation damages the bone. Mrs. Jones, it sounds a little bit like we're criticizing your cleaning. I've looked in your mouth, Mrs. Jones, and your cleaning would be about a 7 out of 10. And if everybody walked around with 7 out of 10 cleaning, I'd be out of a job, Mrs. Jones. <laughs> and we all that have a little... That is brilliant. We, we all have I a little I love where this is going because that, that little bit is so good because it, it sells them, you know, they're not like a 2 out of 10. Seven's like, okay, that's not bad. I'm, I'm, I'm doing okay. But it puts, you're about to put it in perspective that they are different, right? That there's yeah, something unique exactly, about yeah. them. Absolutely. So, we, yeah, I mean, it, it's the... I think Professor Youngson at Liverpool used to call it the poo sandwich. You're delivering some horrible information wrapped up in two nice big bits of Warburton's bread. Um, so, Mrs. Jones, I've looked in your mouth and your cleaning's about a 7 out of 10. And if everybody cleaned at 7 out of 10, I'd be out of a job. Mrs. Jones, unfortunately, your 7 out of 10 cleaning is not enough because your trigger point is much more sensitive than most people. Um, Mrs. Jones, is it okay if we spend a little bit of time looking at your cleaning and seeing if we can get you from a 7 out of 10 to a 10 out of 10 so that we can get you the right side of this trigger point and we can switch off this inflammation? And so that, that's essentially the, 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 the opening spiel that develops the concept of bacteria triggers inflammation, inflammation damages bone. And off the back of that, we've also explained to them that that there's this concept of one size doesn't fit all because you'll know yourself, Jess, you must have seen patients with very clean mouths and very aggressive periodontitis. And then you see patients with filthy mouths and no no real disease, mild, mild gingivitis. Uh, gingivitis so we we know as professionals we have this spectrum we've got to get that across to the patients that that, that they're on a spectrum they're they're the more sensitive end and whilst it might be a th i mean you could tell mrs jones a seven out of you could be thinking three but you don't tell a three you tell a seven you're trying to make you're trying to break down barriers you're trying not this to is why it's genius this is why what you're saying is absolute genius because you you made it um palatable for a patient uh, and not to dishearten them because what people, what dentists, what we are used to do is like, uh, okay, this is, you know, really a, a, a bad scenario here. We've got plaque here, plaque here. We need to, you know, use the correct end of the toothbrush here. You know, it's, it, it's something that's really not motivating the patient anyway. But what you said is, okay, we're seven. So that gives them a little bit of hope that, okay, because they obviously have been giving some, you know, they've, they've, they, they care enough to be there at your surgery right now. Yeah, absolutely. So you need to give them that validation. And that's why it's so, so it's amazing this, this way of explaining it because it essentially teaches them the concept of, 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 perio disease by inflammation in such a way that it's just absolutely beautiful in an engaging way so that is just phenomenal i'm so glad that you you've shared that um any challenges have you ever had anyone who's what do you do with that patient that that bloke in there uh you know bloke with the arms folded who's just not engaging like what if when you say when you ask that question do you know anything about perio and they say no and then there's just a one word answers how do you manage that uh, more complex patient how do you get how do you draw blood from a stone <laughs> or blood from a gum. Um, yeah. I think the, 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 the next, well, pro probably before our conversations happened, the first question that I think most dentists will ask is, why are you here? What brings you to us? What, what is, I always ask, what is it you want from your teeth in the next, in the next five to 10 years? Because I, I need, I need a, I need a buy-in. I need a, I need a motivational tool, an emotional buy-in effectively is what I'm after. Something that I can go back to and use against them. So I need to know they want to avoid dentures. They want to get rid of the halitosis. They, they, the, um, they want veneers for their son's wedding. They want to start their orthodontics. I want to know what their motivator is because 
once I've got that motivator, everything I'm teaching them relates back to that motivation. And, and there is there is behavioral science up on this. There's good evidence that shows that behavior change takes place more readily if the if the information delivered is perceived by the patient to be relevant to them and not just generic. So, you know, the minute I get the patients who said, well, you know, I, I, my dad had dentures and I don't want dentures. Well, that difficult patient, you can say to them, you tell me at the start of the appointment, Jazz, that you wanted to avoid dentures. You know, but the things that we're going to go through now are about avoiding bone loss, avoiding tooth loss, and avoiding that transition to denture wear. So we need you to understand the following before we can get on with any treatment. And so I think the the, the challenge is always finding their their tie in. And it, I'll be honest, if oh. they and we, uh, people always think from a uh, from a periodontist point see. of view that we have this sort of elite group of patients who, who you know, do everything we say. They do and they don't. And I also spent many years working in the hospital service where we provided treatment for free. So it wasn't just high-value treatment. And you do get patients who just don't care about their teeth. Some people are waiting for the day that they move to dentures because that was the best day of their parents' lives. Everything was great after their dentures. And with those patients, you might find that they're unmotivatable. I think you've got to find their you've got to find their emotional want and relate everything back to that because then they'll they'll perceive it being relevant to them. Patricia, I just want to highlight that what Ian's saying here is is not just relevant to perio. This is dentistry 101. This is something that I wish we were really emphasised more as an undergrad because it really really is such a big deal. And every every communication course I've ever been on, like that is the takeaway message that you have to relate everything back to the goals of the patient. And if there's one thing I learned during uh, dental public health, believe it or not, the only one thing I learned was that when you give someone knowledge, we used to think it changes their attitude, which impacts their behavior. But we know that that's a false model and it doesn't work. And, and just arming someone with knowledge is not effective enough. And, and that's what, you know, in perio, if you just tell someone about uh, gumsies, it's not enough. You need to then, just like Ian said, you need to relate it back to their own individual goals. So whether you're planning for, 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 for perio stabilization or uh, teeth straightening or veneers or whatever, you need to really, really, really make it uh, tangible for the patient with relevance to their goal, and you will see a massive uh, uptake on the treatment that they should be getting done, a massive um, uh, change in their sort of general attitude and, 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 and uh, towards dentistry. And I think what you've highlighted there, and I just want to highlight myself, is, is the very crux of communication dentistry. So, so that is brilliant. Uh, next question I have then, Ian, is referrals. You get referrals. Um, you are in, in, in a referral-based practice. And I, and, I, and I thought this question whereby perio is one of those things whereby you might find that you you get and this is me just postulating because I'm thinking about the, when I used to refer and stuff and uh, and as a dentist student and all these sort of what the challenges my colleagues face is that you might be getting some patients and you might think hang on a minute all you've done is the basic oral hygiene uh, non-surgical derivative and you've got the patient a good result and you think why couldn't the GDP do this now obviously the environment's different like when you're going to when when you get referred to someone. And the patient is coming, when a patient is coming to me for a splint, but it's been referred by a local GDP, they're already bought in a little bit. And they already think that, oh, this guy is awesome because he's going he's gonna to be a solution. So there is a bit of a, a change, right? When someone refers someone on, they always think that, okay. So I think people, when they come to a specialist, the, 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 the take up, the buying is going to be more just because of that factor. But do you think a lot of your, what percentage of your referrals do you think could have been managed in GDP? And, and where do you think it went wrong in the communication, if that's a fair question, that, that led to them being uh, at your chair rather than being treated at that practice. 
okay. Um, yeah, good, great question. I remember reading that when you sent it through. Difficult question. Um, it is. If, sorry. If, if we take <laughs> if we take away the mucogingival work and the crown lengthening and that type of work that we do, if we're just talking about disease management, I would say it's probably as high as. 70 to 80 percent could have been managed in, in general practice uh you know in, in in the right practice with the right clinicians and i know i know you mentioned you know dentists there but we we've, we've got to remember our hygienist colleagues and therapist colleagues do a wonderful job um Absolutely. and we, we you know I, I have some brilliant referrers hygienists and therapists who send these patients to me with with nowhere else to go other than surgical intervention it's not that they've under treated the patients it's they've reached the end of the road so we I think, probably, yeah, probably seventy percent at least could be could have been managed in general practice because I would say that seventy to to eighty percent of our patients are managed non-surgically on referral. Mm -hmm. So, you know, maybe just maybe we we can do treatment better than some people. You know, it would be wrong. You know, anything you do all day every day, you get good at, don't you? That's so. Mm -hmm. There are sometimes when just that little bit of extra skill or knowledge or something makes difference, or, or the patient penny dropping communication bit. Um, I think there's no no two ways about it, and we, we we don't want to be too political here. But the system in the UK has devalued perio, um, and I don't just mean. I mean the NHS has devalued it. They've never understood it. They've never paid for it effectively, and and the time allocated to perio is just insufficient. That you know, the communication alone takes me twenty minutes, half an hour. That's before I've even treated the patient. You're not going to do that for three UDAs. Um, but even when you take that across to private practice, because of a, you know, if you've spent a decade in NHS practice, you will have de-skilled both in the perio communication and in your perio treatment skills. And and you know, even patients coming out of private practice, we see them sometimes under-treated, under-motivated. And I think it's the hangover of that NHS mentality, uh, which is desperately sad because you know it's, it's, it's the number one reason for tooth loss in the UK and the adult population. It's essentially a preventable disease. And with the exception of the really left field stuff, the, the old-fashioned aggressive periodontitis patients, you know, most of the stuff is the, like we said at the start of this, the basics being done well. And when, when you get the patients doing their bit, and when we do our bit, to a reasonable standard, most patients would get better. I was, um, yeah, I, I was thinking that you would say this, you know, because uh, it's something that I thought that a lot of our patients just need the basics done well, uh, and it starts with the communication. But I think now that everyone's listened to the way that you communicate, if, like, like you said, it takes you 20 minutes to really make that connection, to figure out what is that patient's prime motivator, the prime goal, and to be able to listen to them when you ask them that question, what do you know about perio, and to give a tailored response and actually go walk through that process, make your diagram. I think if, if, if you are in a practice where you're not getting enough time, then I still think you can take something away from um, this podcast episode and apply it. So just tweak your um, communication. And I think that itself will, will, will get you great results. And if you are, you, you, you're you know, amazing that you mentioned about the hangover from NHS. Now, if you're in private practice and, and you feel as though you're feeling not so confident in your perio skills, and now is a time to, to upskill um, through, through education, through courses, um, which actually reminds me, uh, Ian, when you started to get into to perio as a GDP and you started to get into perio, Here's an interesting thought I've just had. Like back in the, you know the early 2000s, maybe when you were starting to 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 do these periotype procedures through mentorship and and trying to sort of um, get out of your comfort zone with procedures and whatnot, do you feel as though that perhaps in today's climate, 
to be able to do these sort of procedures. And I, I know you teach GDP crowdfunding things. You taught me crowdfunding and stuff. And uh, still, I'm, I'm happy to give it a go. But it takes me like in you know, a micro steps, baby steps. Whereas perhaps in you know when you were uh, a young dentist, uh, you were able to maybe go take leaps out of your comfort zone rather than micro steps because now we're perhaps uh, practicing in a defensive way and that might then hamper your development or development of interest into perio because then really then the only people going to perio is when they're going the full hog the specialist pathway maybe we're seeing a dying breed in the special interest in perio because you're not able to to go out of your comfort zone does, does that make sense as a question yeah, no it really does it really does um so basically what you're talking about is the old days. You're telling me that I'm old. That's what you're saying, Charles, isn't no, it? No, I was trying to learn that at all. <laughs> no, no. You're no, an experienced clinician. I'll take that. Look at that communication, guys. That's a masterclass in, in not, of, not offending the, the, uh, the patient. No, no. I, th it's, I think it's very valid. Um, I think I definitely see young graduates terrified of litigation. Um, and, it, and it does, it paralyzes them in terms of, of moving on and progressing. And I think... I think it is a more difficult time. And I think we do have to be very confident when we move outside of our comfort zones that we've got both the knowledge and some basic skills. There, there are never going to be enough periodontists. So we do need special interest GDPs in perio. And there are lots of courses out there that develop that now. Um, and I think... I think what people need to do is probably take a leaf out of the Implant World book because look at look at the Implant World. Those guys... They go from nothing to big surgical stuff, drilling holes in people's bone. And what do they do? They, they invest time. They invest in not just courses, but they invest in mentoring. Mentoring is just a standard across implant dentistry. Well, you know, why do we not have that in perio or in occlusion or in restorative? Go on a course develop your skills and when you've got your first couple of cases i mean i offer this to all of my delegates they can bring a patient to me and we'll do the case the first case together and we can we we, we work on the you know, fees and everything else but at the same time they can bring that patient to to our clinic and we'll do the first surgical case together or the second or the third um, because sometimes you just need somebody there, even though you know it inside out, to just hold your hand on the first time you do something. Um, I had the luxury of, of having that experience within the hospital setting. Uh, I was lucky to be taken under the wing of a lady called Eileen Thiel. Many, of the, many old Liverpool grads will know Eileen. And I just spent a day a week doing perio surgery under her tuition for about three years. It was wow. just, oh, it was, it was just amazing. And, and my surgical confidence grew. I mean, one week she'd nurse for me, the week, one, one week I'd nurse for her and watch her. The week after I'd be doing the same procedure, she'd be nursing. The week after I'd be on the clinic doing that procedure, she'd be in the room next door. And it was just, a, it was a steep, steep learning curve. But I think mentorship is probably the way to go because you know, the implant guys have got that nailed on and, and we probably need it in, in, across the board in dentistry now. I, I really like that parallel you drew with, with implants and their pathways. And I think if you are a young dentist who's trying to find, okay, what is it that they want to niche into? Uh, and if perio is looking uh, exciting to you, then yes, find a, a, a mentor. Um, and yeah, upskill, go on those courses. Uh, and, and yeah, you, you're totally right. Look at what they're doing in the implant world and see how we can model it in endo, model it in, in perio, model it in all these disciplines uh, as, uh, as, a, as a modern contemporary way in, this, in the scenario we're in to be able to 
to, to progress and get out of your comfort zones and try and take those leaps again rather than just restricting yourself to little micro steps and, and, and really um, suffocating your, your growth in a way. So I really like that a lot. The, the, it, it's sacrifice though, Jazz, isn't it? It's the, thi the thing that I see with some dentists is they don't want to sacrifice time or, or income or profit. And you know, the, we, have, we have some great young clinicians who come and spend the day with us and just, just to watch what we get up to. And, you know, they're giving up a day's salary or a day's holiday. And in five or 10 years, I know who the superstars of the next five years or 10 years are going to be because they come and spend the day with people in our team. In five or 10 years' time, their friends, their dental school mates will be saying to them, oh, it's all right for you. You're dead lucky. Look at where you are today. And it won't be luck. It won't be luck at all. It will have been, it will have been planned. It will have been time. It will have been sacrifice. You've done it. I've done it. You know, anyone who's anywhere has made that sacrifice. You've, you've, I can't, well, can't say it enough. It's, it doesn't happen overnight. No, there's very little luck in life. Most of this stuff is, is, is planned. That is absolutely brilliant. I think that's going to be a, a gem I'm going to play in the beginning because you're so right. Sacrifice is something that, it, 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 it's so true. I just can't say any more than that. It's just so true that you have to uh, put yourself in these scenarios where you're not earning for a while and you're making these big uh, financial uh, decisions because you're investing in yourself uh, and even just time away from the clinic or or taking that leap of faith that, okay, this is the, what I need for the next step. That is uh, amazing. I want to talk about the next thing is just being mindful of time here because, wow, we can talk for, forever. You might have to do a two-part here. It is, um, uh, we touched on this with uh, Amit a little bit um, on, on the recession episode, but I just want to hear your take on it because you're, you know, you're so great in the way that you communicate uh, the, the inflammation process to a patient. How do you, Ian, communicate to the patient that there are some risks involved inherently in perio treatment in terms of black triangles, recession, sensitivity, um, to, 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 to make the patient truly understand the importance of it and what they're getting, self, getting themselves into and why the juice is worth the squeeze? Yeah, that, it's, it's probably the most difficult sell, isn't it? Because most of the time I am making the patients look worse but but also at the same time making them healthier. Um, mm -hmm. This is where I tend to I do two things. I draw a picture and I have a bank of photographs that I use for patients. So I can if patients say to me, what are it going to look like? I can draw a picture, but I can also sh open my laptop and show them. Because, I mean, I know you're big into your photography. A, a picture tells a thousand words. And so uh, if you can show them, a, if you've got a mild perio case in front of you, you can show them mild black triangles. If you've got an advanced perio case, you can show them a picture of an advanced disease management case with lots of recession. Um, the most the, the most powerful thing I do, and it also fits in with the medico-legal aspect, is I draw a picture. So I'll try and draw it now. I don't know how well this is going to work, but we'll see. So, and I'm going to draw it back to front. So I say to patients, wow. I say to patients, teeth have, it's upside down as well, by the way, teeth have roots in the crown. I say your gum should be up here. And when the gum gets to the tooth, it's supposed to do this. It's supposed to form a little seal on the root. And that little space, Mrs. Jones, we call those pockets. Underneath the gum, when it's healthy, there should be bone. And the tooth and the bone never touch. There's a little ligament that holds the tooth against the bone. Think of it like a shock absorber. Mrs. Jones, I've just looked at your x-rays and I can see that you've got some bone loss. Mrs. Jones, sometimes the gum shrinks and follows the bone. I've looked in your mouth and you've got a little bit of shrinkage, but you've also got these bigger, deeper pockets. Can you see a problem with these bigger, deeper pockets, Mrs. Jones? And you're hoping that she says, 
how am I going to how am I going to keep those clean? And and she doesn't. The, the you penny say drop it. moment. Yeah, no. Do you know? I would say that is the this is the biggest penny drop moment. Patients will say to me, "Ah, that's a pocket," and they've been under someone's care for a decade and never <laughs> never actually understood what a deep pocket meant. And so we explain to patients that they're going to clean up here like an Olympic gold medal winning toothbrusher. And once they do that, we're going to clean the space. Now, this is the bit that answers your question. I say, Mrs. Jones, when you're doing your bit and we then do our bit and we clean the pockets, we're going to switch off the inflammation. Can you think of anything, Mrs. Jones, that's inflamed like a spot or a bruise? What happens when you switch off the inflammation? And they say, oh, well, it shrinks. And you say, yeah, it does, it shrinks. Mrs. Jones, the good news is the gums are going to shrink that way. They're going to shrink and form a seal on the root of the tooth. The bad news, Mrs. Jones, is the gums are also going to shrink that way. The gum is going to be a little bit lower. There's going to be a bit more of the tooth exposed, but your pockets are going to be smaller. If your pockets are smaller, Mrs. Jones, we can keep on top of the, inf the, the trigger and we can keep that inflammation away. Now, if they then say, oh, but I don't want my gums to shrink, there's a really old, everybody's heard it, really cheesy line that we all use. And we say, Mrs. Jones, it's better to have a longer tooth than a tooth no longer. And I know that's cheesy, but it, but it, so, but <laughs> I love it. <laughs> the, the, the research tells us that 70% of pocket healing is recession. So we know we're going to get recession when we treat perio. And, and they either, you know, if they want to save their teeth, they're going to have recession and it, they're not, they're not a choice where well, I'll have one or the other or it, if success will mean recession because that is just the nature of the beast. The thinner the biotype, the, the bigger the recession. Um, but about 70% in pockets over six millimeters is going to be shrinkage. If they want to set, and then we, we, we then, the, the, the first thing they're terrified of, as you, you will well know, is the aesthetics of that. So we tell them, look, we've got to get things stable. Once they're stable and we can establish how much recession has, has happened, we can then look at managing the aesthetics. We can't, I, the, the line I use, I say, Mrs. Jones, you're worrying about the decorating when I'm worrying about the subsidence. You're, 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 wow. you're, you're redecorating the, or you're, you're thinking about the, you know, what curtains you're going to put up and what wallpaper you're going to use, but, but your footings are insecure and the house is going to fall down. Let's get everything secure and stable. Genius analogy. Ian, that is a genius analogy. I'm so glad you said that. <laughs> Everyone's going to pinch that. Everyone's writing that down. <laughs> because then, I mean, you know, we've got things like, you know, we, we can do black triangle closure with direct composite bonding. In advanced cases, we've got really fabulous gingival veneers that we can use. There's lots of ways, I mean, even perio ortho these days, you know, some of the stuff that I'm doing with some of my specialist ortho colleagues, you know, you're... You'd be surprised at how adventurous we are with some of these ortho advanced perio cases with the ortho we do. There's a lot we can do to make these patients look better, but we can only do it when we've got stable bases. And, it's, and so they've got, to, they've got to buy into that. And if they don't want it, their alternative will be things like dentures, extractions and all on fours. Uh, you know, but then we have to educate our perio patients that implants have an increased failure rate in in because of their history of perio. So implants are not always the answer to the, to the question. Ian, you've covered that absolutely brilliantly. Um, I won't have time for my new classifications and, and perio education because right. we've just 
covered so, so honestly we covered it so well I mean I think this is the, the this this is what I wanted in the back to basics month in August I think this is going to come away and people can be feel really refreshed and recharged and and be able to uh, be excited to implement some of these new communication skills uh, in our daily practice because I think this is one of those episodes we've recorded now that people can use on Monday morning straight away um, Ian I want people to be able to to know about uh, the wonderful work in education that you do uh, please tell us about where they can go to 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 learn more about you know being able to shadow you being able to go on your crown lending courses being able to learn uh, from you as a mentor in perio um that's really kind jazz i my teaching brand is perio courses so the website is www.periocourses.co.uk uh, and all of our teaching is on there um and we are available all over the country we do everything from one day courses uh, through to a four-day master class that includes surgical training um my practice, I'm, I'm, I'm an associate. I'm based in Liverpool and in Wilmslow, uh, two superb practices run by great, great people. Um, and yeah, we, we have people come and spend the time with us just to see what we get up to and see if they, you know, we get a lot of young dentists who are thinking, do, you know, do I want to specialize in perio? Is it for me? Um, and even just to hear the communication that we do with patients, we have a lot of people come and spend time with us. So, you know, yeah, just get in touch through the website, have a look at the courses. We do a lot about communication on the courses. We we really delve into that a bit more because it is a big part of the, um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the psychology. We, de- we delve into a bit more of that. Um, but yeah, it, it would be great to see some of your, uh, your occlusion geeks on some of these perio courses. <laughs> Uh, I'm sure that I'm sure they'll, they, they, they loved every moment of this. And I thought, I think, you know, the, this is the way forward. If you're someone who's thinking about an interest in Perio, uh, people like Ian are just uh, amazing. And I'm so excited to meet you again uh, at uh, Tubules in Brighton. Yeah, uh, and to have another to catch up and a drink with you, mate. So uh, thank you so much for coming on today, Ian. You're absolutely amazing. I can't wait to get this out in a, in a week or so. Uh, and I'll, uh, I'll, I'll look forward to catching you in Brighton. Yeah, thanks, Jazz. Keep up the good work. And uh, if anyone hasn't jo- joined up for Tubules, get joined up. It's the It was the best two days of 2019 when I went. It was a, just an amazing two days. So get signed up I'll to Tubules. I'll put the link on the, on the website, you guys, if you have yet. Like I said, you haven't been to a Tubules Congress before. It is not a normal conference. The, the vibe is just uh, amazing. So I'll make sure I put that link uh, on, on protrusive.co.uk uh, under the episode. Uh, Ian, have a lovely day today. And thanks so much for coming on. Take care, Jazz. Have a good day. There we have it, guys. I told you his way of explaining periodontal disease to patients is just amazing. And I hope you listen to the relevant chapters again. Like if, you, if you head to YouTube, if you're watching on YouTube now, there's a, a highlighted bit where you can watch that exact moment where, where Ian explains the way that he speaks to, to, I think it was Mrs. Jones and Mrs. Smith. I forget who it was now. But it's just beautiful. It's just beautiful in every way. Uh, and I think it's going to really make a big difference to your periodontal outcomes. I uh, hope you're enjoying this Back to Basics series. Do join us on our uh, Facebook community, the intrusive dental community i'll put the link below Uh, and of course hit subscribe if you haven't already and i'll catch you in the next episode